Chapter Four of Wilderness: A Journal of Quiet Adventure in Alaska by Rockwell Kent. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four: Winter. Endlessly, day after day, the journal goes on recording a dreary monotony of rain and cloud. Who has ever dwelt so entirely alone that the most living things in all the universe about are wind and rain and snow? Where the elements dominate and control your life, where at getting up and bedtime, and many an hour of night and day between, you question helplessly, as a poor slave his master, the will of the mighty forces of the sky. Dawn breaks you jump from bed stand barefoot on the threshold of the door look through the straight trunked spruces at the brightening world and read at sight god's will for one more whole long day of life ah god it rains again and sitting on the bed you wearily draw on your heavy boots and rainy spirited begin the special labors of a rainy day or maybe at the sight of clouds again you laugh at the dull-minded weatherman or curse at him good-naturedly still you must do those rainy weather chores and all the other daily chores in hot wet weather garments that is destiny most of the time to do ourselves real justice we met the worst of weather with a battle cry worked hard and then made up for outdoor dreariness and wet by heaping on the comforts of indoors dry cozy warmth good things to eat and lots to do we have reached late fall for northern latitudes the sky is brooding ominously heavy dull and raw winter seems to be closing in upon us we're driven to work as if in fear hurry hurry saw the great drums of spruce roll them over the ground stack them high caulk tight with hemp the cabin's windward eaves so that no breath of wind can enter there and freeze the food inside upon the shelf set up the far-famed air-tight stove where it will keep you warm warm feet in bed and a warm back while painting patch up the poor storm-battered paper roof two or three holes we find and we are sure it leaks from twenty about the cabin pile the hemlock boughs dense leafed and warm making a green slope almost to the eaves now it looks cozy outside and in the last is done to make us ready for the winter's worst and just in time it is the evening of october twenty second and the feathery snow has just begun to fall Olson comes stamping in. Well, well, he cries, how's this? How does our winter suit you? It suits us perfectly. The house is warm, Rockwell's in bed, and I am reading Treasure Island to him. What are you going to make of him? asked Olson that night, speaking of Rockwell. I was at that moment pouring beans into the pot for baking. I slowed the stream and dropped them one by one rich man poor man beggar man thief doctor lawyer merchant chief how in the world can any one lay plans for a youngster's life rockwell lay in his bed dreaming maybe of an existence lovelier far than anything the poor discouraged imagination of a man could reach 
A child could make a paradise of earth. Life is so simple. Unerringly he follows his desires, making the greatest choices first, then onward into a narrowing pathway until the true goal is reached. How can one preach of beauty or teach another wisdom? These things are of an infinite nature, and in every one of us in just proportion. There is no priesthood of the truth. We live in many worlds, Rockwell and I, the world of the books we read, an always changing one, Robinson Crusoe, Treasure Island, the visionary world of William Blake, the Saga Age, Water Babies, and the glorious Celtic past, Rockwell's own world of fancy, kingdom of beasts, the world he dreams about and draws, and my created land of striding heroes and poor fate-bound men, real as I have painted them, or to me nothing is. And then all round about us, our common daily island world, itself more wonderful than we have half a notion of. Is it to be believed that we are here alone, this boy and I, far north out on an island wilderness, sea-girt on a terrific coast? It's as we pictured it and wanted it a year and more ago. Yes, dreams come true. And now the snow falls softly. Winter, to meet our challenge, has begun. Short notes in the journal mark Treasure Island's swift passage. Then enter Water Babies. Just after Rockwell's heart and mine, I have recorded it. But Kingsley must lose his friends, a warning to the snob in literature. How it did weary us and madden us, his English gentry pride, unless we outright laughed. At last it's finished. That's an event. When Kingsley isn't showing off, he's moralizing, and between his religious cant and his English snobbery, he is, in spite of his occasional sweet sentiment, quite unendurable. So to-night we read from Anderson's fairy tales, forever lovely and true. Children have their own fine literary taste that we know quite too little about. They love all real authentic happenings, and they love pure fairy tale. But to them fiction in the guise of truth is wrong, and fairy romance, unconvincing in its details, is ridiculous. Action they like, the deed, not thought about it. Doubtless the simple saga form is best of all. Life as it happens, neither right nor wrong, words that they can understand things they can comprehend, interesting facts or thrilling fancy. Such simple things delight the child that half of Robinson Crusoe and three-quarters of the smug family from Switzerland are forgiven for the sweet kernel of pure adventure that is there. As for adventure, that is relative. Where little happens and the gamut of expression is narrow, life is still full of joy and sorrow you're stirred by simple happenings in a quiet world. The killer whales that early in September played in the shoal water of our cove, not thirty feet from land, rolled their huge shining bodies into view, plunged, raced where we still could follow their gleaming white patch under water. That's a thrill. 
the battles that occurred that month between huge fish out in the bay their terrible mysterious black arms that beat the water with a sound like cannon the plunge into the depths of the poor frantic wounded whale and his return again for air again the thunder sound and flying foam and spray as the dread black arm is beating on the sea then calm you shudder at that huge death that was a drama for fox islanders and later the poor magpie's death real tears were shed from a poor boy's half-broken heart two strangers come these days and stop with olson they're on the search of that small craft that we saw driving seaward in a tempest there is a mystery was she adrift unmanned broke from her moorings or was there life aboard as we had thought in that case she'd been stolen and who were the men and where wrecked safely on some island drowned or driven out to sea no man shall ever know a porcupine is captured wandering near our house we build for him a cozy home he doesn't like it much but still he should we care for him day after day he twines himself about our hearts then at last one day when we'd pastured him in freedom out in the new-fallen snow trusting his tracks to lead us to him the goats cut in and spoiled the trail and he was lost to us olson has gone to seward days of waiting days of waiting how many times do we travel down the cove to the point from whence cain's head is seen going in hope returning gloomily the goats beset us yearning for their missing master billy that maddening beast eats up one corner of our broom i throw a heavy armful of kindling wood into his face and he just sneezes but rockwell plays with the goats as if they're human or rather as if he were a goat they half believe it he has told me and rockwell so do i sunday november third today was gloriously bright and clear with a strong northwest wind the mountains are covered with snow beautiful beyond description i painted in and out of doors continuously all the day except when rockwell and i plied the saw it is no little thing to have one's work on a day like this out under such a blue sky by the foaming green sea and the fairy mountains three days go by it rains and hails and snows and then is quiet over the dead still air comes the roar of pounding seas immense and white they pile on the black cliffs of cain's head the wash of a storm at sea still over the heavy glassy water we look in vain for olson dark days and the short hours are long with waiting how many times we traveled down the cove to look toward seward how many score of times we peered through the little panes of our west window never to find the thing we sought for i've loaded my arms with firewood from the pile i turn my head and there in our cove before my very eyes at last is olson this is november sixth nine days away the war is over cried olson as he landed by all that's holy in life may the world have found through its mad war at least some fragrance of the peace and freedom that we discovered growing like a flower 
wild on the borders of the wilderness long into night i read the mail count sweaters caps and woolen stockings all that the mail has brought it is late rockwell is asleep the room is cold it snows out of doors and now instead of bed i'll stir the fire and begin my work thursday november seventh a true winter's day with the snow deep on the ground and the profound and characteristic winter silence of the out-of-doors to be sensed even in this ever-silent place at earliest daylight began a heavy thunderstorm with lightning all about and a downpour of hail it occurred intermittently throughout the morning i did the washing using olson's washboard and getting the clothes nearly white olson is full of amusing gossip to the curious in seward who asked him why i chose to be in this god-forsaken spot he replied you damn fools you don't understand an artist at all do you suppose shakespeare wrote his plays with a silly crowd of men and women hanging around him no sir an artist has to be left alone well what does he paint that's his business sometimes i see he has a mountain there on a picture and next time i see it's been changed to a lake or something else one can imagine olson with his questioners the thing he most wants his ambition one might say is to make people sit up and take notice of fox island his homestead it is in fact one reason why he brought us here to live thanks to its amateur detective seward had rejoiced for a short time in rumors of a german spy on fox island i told olson that the authorities might still come and remove me he flared up i'd like to see em try it we could take to the mountains with guns and more than one of them would never try the thing again and then he went on to tell me how in idaho he had tracked for days and weeks a notorious gang of outlaws and horse thieves and at last run them to earth one of his most thrilling and i believe absolutely true stories of his adventures at this moment a steamer is blowing in the bay navigating by the echo from the mountain faces she is near to us now but hidden by the snowstorm rockwell has begun to write the story of a long waking dream of his it's a sweet idea and reads more amusingly in his own queer spelling now though it is already late i must draw a while longer and then after bathing in the bread-pan sit up in bed and read a chapter of the life of blake friday november eighth it is so late that i half expect to see the dawn begin i have been working on a drawing of rockwell and his father and it looks ever so fine whew just at this moment the wind has swept down upon our cabin and blown the roof in as far as it would with great creaking yield and then passed on sucking it out in its wake to such a spread that a board that lay across overhead like a collar beam has fallen with a crash and clatter and rockwell sleeps on the wind does blow to-night and it doesn't stop outside the walls of the cabin either my lamp flutters annoyingly but ah the room is comfortable and warm this morning it being at first wondrously fair 
Rockwell and I set out for a boat ride. But what with the fussing of installing our motor and the launching of our cumbersome boat, the wind was given time to rise and spoil the day for us. But we went out into the bay and played in the waves to see what the north wind could do. The chop was devilish, short, and deep. The boat bridged from one crest to another with it seemed a clear tunnel underneath, and then running up onto a wave mountain, she would jump off its dizzy peak, landing with a splash in the valley beyond, and dousing us well with water. In a calmer spot I stopped the engine and sketched our island, after which we rode home. The rest of the day we worked on the motor, first to find out why she wouldn't run, then having found and fixed that, to put other parts in still better order, and then, by far the longest time, and still to continue to-morrow, to mend what in the course of our fixings we had broken. Rockwell's in bed, asleep, dreaming of the little wild nightingale that sang of freedom to that poor unhappy Chinese emperor, while far from here, in streets and towns, the tin nightingale of law-made liberty charms the world and it's now my reading time, my time for bread and jam and a soft cushioned back. The days run by, true winter days, snow, cold, and wind. What wind! It is terrifying when from our mountain tops those fierce blasts sweep upon us, roaring as they come. Flying twigs and ice beat on the roof, the boards creak and groan under the wind's weight, the lamp flutters, moss is driven in and falls upon my work-table, the canvas over our bed flaps, and then, in a moment, the wind is gone, and the world is still again, save for the distant wash of the waves and the far-off forest roar. Olson is full of treats. His latest was in pleasant violation of the law. From a bottle of pale liquid half-filled with raisins he poured me a drink mixing it with an equal amount of ginger ale and a dash of sugar. It tasted pretty good, quite thrilling, in fact. What is it? I asked. Pure alcohol, he said, smacking his lips. Olson then launched forth on confidential advice, from one trapper to another, on how to trap men, in my case rich patrons. He has my need of them quite upon his mind. Olson's eggs, by the way, taste good enough. They gave him in Seward twenty-four dozen bad eggs to bring out for the foxes. We have eaten a dozen. Today I cracked seventeen to find six for dinner. Onion omelette is the fashion to cook them in. Rockwell pronounces them delicious, and, well, so do I. Hard, hard at work, little play, not too much sleep. The wind blows ceaselessly. Rockwell is forever good, industrious, kind, and happy. He reads now quite freely from any book. Drawing has become a natural and regular occupation for him, almost a recreation, for he can draw in both a serious and a humorous vein. At this moment he's waiting in bed for some music and another Anderson fairy tale. Another day has gone, and a new morning is ours on its way. Out in the moonlit night, strained, tired eyes open wide, and are made clear again, crowded.
cramped knees must dance in the crisp air, the curved spine bends backward as the outstretched arms describe that superb embracing gesture of the good-night yawn. November the 13th. How time sweeps by! And I look over the black water that we soon must cross again to Seward. The wind bursts around the cabin corner. I shiver and go to bed. End of chapter 4